well, hey, um, it is uh, springtime. We're approaching summer, and a lot of us are thinking about traveling, right? And so it's just kind of a part of what we do. Have you ever thought about the difference between a trip and a journey? I remember, like, we're kind of looking at, at, you know, Nicole and I, we love to travel. We love experiences and things like that. And you have trips and you have vacations. Vacations are like a journey. So here's, here's a trip. Let me give you a snapshot of a querying trip. My family lives in Nebraska. Nicole's family lives in Kansas and in, in Texas. And so a trip is driving 15 mind-numbing hours on Interstate 80. Like, like legit, like we get up on I-80 and then we'd stay on 80. And then where my family lives, it's a mile and a half off of I-80. And so it literally is like you get I-80 and then like you just go. But you're making this trip in a 2000 Dodge Caravan that is being held together by duct tape and prayers. And, uh, and, and you're just trying to keep the kids alive and entertained and happy so that they can spend 48 hours with their cousins only to make that 15-hour mind-numbing trip back, right? It's all about speed and efficiency. I remember one time we figured, hey, let's just, let's just leave at night and drive through the night and they can sleep. And then when we get there, they're like, oh, we're already in Nebraska. And that was great because we made it in like 12 hours and we only stopped twice. It was glorious, except I was worthless and dead for the next 48 hours, and then I had to make the trip all the way back, right? It, it's, it's, that's, that's a trip, right? A journey is like a year, almost two years ago when Nicole and I took Ian to college in Kansas, and, and we're like, oh my gosh, we just dropped off our firstborn at college. We're old, who are we? What is life all about, right? And so instead of coming back on the interstate, we're like, let's explore. Let's stay to as much two-lane road as we can, right? And so we went through all these tiny little towns, and we, we saw these beautiful landscapes. And I'm sorry, every place has a beauty of its own. Even the flat Kansas landscape can be beautiful in its own, right? And we get into Eastern Colorado and, and we get into the mountains and we're like, hey, let's spend the night in, in this tiny little mountain town. And oh my gosh, they have this cool little pub and an outdoor patio area. And we, we ate and drank and just talked together and just processed life. And then a, a little bit further, there was the Royal Gorge. We're like, let's go see the Royal Gorge. And so we spent the afternoon just kicking around at the Royal Gorge. And, and then we took these back mountain roads and it was this beautiful time of just processing individually in quietness as we drove, but then also we just talked. And it was just these, this two-day journey of just kind of exploring and processing and talking and just being together. It was a pretty amazing trip. Sorry, amazing journey. A trip is all about the destination and the arrival, right? It's all about getting there. The journey is about the process and the discovery along the way. A trip is grocery store doctor's office, right? Whereas Journey, think Lord of the Rings or, or Griswold's family vacation, right? It's always an adventure. Detours on a trip are distraction, whereas detours on a journey are opportunities. I mean, think about it, right? If you're on a journey, the, the joy is in the journey. So if this is a, de a detour, 
hey, let's see what this detour takes us through, right? Journeys are all about movement and change and adaptation and stops and starts and variety and stretches of ordinary and then moments of surprise. Whereas trips are getting from point A to point B as fast as possible. Now, our faith, our spirituality, often unfortunately looks more like a trip than a journey. A lot of times uh, churches and, and ministries and, and discipleship and things like that, it's all about getting you from point A to point B. And we forget that the life of following Jesus is on the way, as they went, on the road, as they did this. The Christian life is a journey. Over the next several weeks, we're actually going to be diving into this idea of the journey, pathways of faith, right? Now, if you're a, a regular here, you know our bread and butter is studying the Word of God. Like, we just spent the entire last year going through the Gospel of Luke. That is our sweet spot. That is what we love to do. But occasionally, it's kind of fun to kind of step back and to, to take a topical one, right? We're still going to look at the Word of God. It's just we're not going to do an exegetical study of it, right? We're going to be looking at these topics and, and kind of looking at what Scripture has to say from them. So just bear with me. I know some people hate the exegetical. Some people hate the topical. As long as nobody's happy, we're, we're doing right, right? There we go. So y'all hate me. Come on. Um, but we're, we're just, just hang with me, Right? This is not taking a break from the Bible. <laughs> this is just looking at the Bible in some different ways and in, in through the lens of topical. And then, and then I'm excited because as soon as we get through, through this, we're going to dive right back into a, a book study of the Bible. Okay. Um, so just hang with there. A lot of what we're going to be taking from, this is a book that I actually read several years ago. It's called The Critical Journey. It's by Janet um, Hagberg and Robert Gulich. And I was, I actually was recommended to this by a mentor of mine to kind of help understand myself and, and where I was at in life. And I remember reading through it and just thinking, oh my gosh, this makes sense. This is a really, really cool resource just to help us understand. Um, and so I want us as a family to head out on this journey together, right? So get packed up. Let's go get in the Clark family, uh, 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 Griswold, Griswold family truckster, right? And, uh, and see where this journey is going to take us. Let's see what God is going to reveal to us, in us, about us, and let's see what he's calling us to. So um, we all have a faith or spiritual journey, right? Basically, that is just how we interact with and respond to God in our lives. Now, when I say faith, we can take it one of three different ways right? Faith oftentimes is referred to as a noun. It's, it's, that's my faith. That's what I hold on to. It is a thing. And, and let's, let's look at our faith, right? We hold on. That's the faith that I hold on to, right? Faith can also be an adjective. It describes us. I'm a person of faith, right? What kind of faith are you? They're saying, they're saying what kind of a, a, a description are you? But what I'm really challenged with is that faith is not something just to be grasped or to be analyzed or to be, um, to be labeled. It's, it's, it's a verb. It's something that God calls us to live out. Faith is actually putting your life in the hands of something else. 
It's grasping onto Jesus, but it's also letting him grasp onto us, right? And so I want us, when we say a journey of faith or our faith journey, I want us to think more along the lines, along, along the lines of, of a verb. Our faith is something that we do. Our faith as a verb, one, it's where and how we find our identity, our meaning, our purpose. It's where we find our, our wholeness, our satisfaction. Two, it's also how we handle um, the struggles and adversity in life. It's where we find, where we look to for healing and comfort and, and, and all of that when life hits us upside the head, right? Three, um, it also helps us, it's the filter that we understand and view the world and the people in it and ourselves in it, right? Like it, it creates a framework that we engage in our life. And then four, it's our faith is also what we use to pursue growth, transformation, improvement, healing, everything like that. So our faith really is meant to be everything to us. Um, we are surrounded by messages of faith and spirituality. Like we are constantly bombarded with rely on me, look to me, consume me, you know, allow me to determine, right? And that's, that's, consumerism, that is politics, that is cultural issues. There's all these different things that try to say, filter everything through us. I am a conservative Christian. I am a progressive this. I am a this, that, right? But what everything is clamoring to is to say, put, your, put God under our filter, and what we, what I believe is that God needs to be what we filter everything through, is that every single aspect of our life needs to be filtered through our relationship with God and the truth of who he is. Instead of saying, well, I don't know, I don't like the, the Bible. If, if we have an issue in our culture and an issue in the Bible, what are we going to put on top? right? We need to be people of God's word. We need to be people of God's, of, in that relationship with him, right? And, and we need to find our, our meaning, our value, our worth, our faith, our filter in God and his word. I love uh, the early church father Augustine said, God created us for a relationship with him and our hearts are restless until we find our rest in him. I don't know if you're like me, but there have definitely been seasons in my life when I've been restless. And sometimes I get angsty and, and bitter or, or frustrated or just empty or, or down or depressed. Why? Because I am not feeding that relationship with my creator, the one who gave everything for me. We are designed to explore until we find God. And then once we found him, we get to keep exploring because we're on adventure, we're on a journey with him. Now, again, because we are living in a world that's broken by sin and competing agendas and influences, um, we've bought this lie that our faith is something that is siloed into one area of our life, and then I get to do the rest of my life. Of course, I'm a Christian. I go to church once a week, right? And I say that I'm a Christian, right? I have a Bible. <laughs> but what does our faith really actually mean? What does it actually mean to say, I'm a follower of Jesus? Even the word spiritual or spirituality, if I say, what's your spiritual journey, right? We'll hear, um, you know, like our world has corrupted things like that. 
where, where we need to, to take back some of these things. And instead of all the funky meanings, that stuff is, has become even, even faith. I hesitate even saying the word faith or even Christianity, because what does it even mean anymore? I'm just being honest. I'm being very vulnerable is because it's almost like the word Christianity. I'm a Christian, I'm a, but you don't believe this. Yeah, but I'm a Christian. Yeah, but you don't even believe this. And you believe that, but I'm a Christian. I'm a person of faith. Well, as long as you're a person of faith, what does that even mean? I can believe that I can jump out that window and fly up to the mountain. I believe it. Does it make it true? My faith in something doesn't make it true. My sincerity of my belief, as long as you really believe, that's, guys, that doesn't even make sense. What I put my faith in has to be true. It has to make sense. So in our journey of faith, we need to, to look at how is our, is our faith actually really our faith? The word of God says that faith without works is dead, right? And remember, it's not saying faith without grace. I've heard that kind of twisted before. It's not what the Bible says. It says faith without works without, is, is dead. Basically, our works, how we live out our lives reflects what we really believe. And so when we say discipleship is, grow, is, is, is moving from unbelief to belief in the area of our li- every area of our lives, it means that if our life doesn't match what we say we believe, we need to look at what we actually believe and move that towards what we say we believe. Does that make sense? So that's where we want to go with this, right? We don't want our faith to be separate from the rest of my lives. A true journey of faith sounds like this. Bring me all of me closer to you, God, no matter the consequences. That is a radical and dangerous prayer, but it's a prayer that I hope we can all be praying. Bring me all of me closer to you, God, no matter what the consequences are. So we're going to look at six different stages common to the journey of faith. Now, a couple things. One, this is not a formula that the Bible teaches. It's not a step-by-step how-to, the key to so radical success in your spiritual life, right? Like you won't even find this in the Bible. You're going to, we're going to look at examples of this. This is literally what these two people have said as we've done ministry over the course of our lives. This is, these are the stages of faith that we've found, right? And so I don't want to put this out there like this is straight from God's word here. God said, here's the sixth thing. He doesn't, right? This is just two human beings that say these are common patterns that we've seen. And, and it's just helpful, right? And, and as I've gone through this within myself and as I've looked in, in the lives of other people, I agree with what they find. Here's a couple things um, about the stages. One is that the stages are kind of fluid, right? In, in a sense, it's not just um, I am all in stage one and then I'm all in stage two and then I'm all in stage three. A lot of times you can kind of be experiencing two or three stages at the same time. And a lot of times we kind of go back and forth between some of them. Um, each stage is built on the previous stage. You can't skip a stage. And this is going to make sense once we start talking about the specifics of it, right? Is that I can't become a parent before I'm done with childhood, right? Like we go through infancy, toddler, pre-adolescence, adolescence, teens, adult, early adulthood, you know, it, it's kind of like 
before I was a parent, I was a youth pastor and I had parenting all figured out, guys. It made, it was so simple. It was kind of like parents, really, it's easy. Just do this and don't do that. And, and it's going to be, and then I became a parent. I didn't understand the fullness of parenting until I had kids of my own. And what I'm learning is, is some of you will like, like, oh, cute that you finally understand this, Jason. As my kids get older, I'm like, oh, and I still don't know anything about parenting, right? They're built on each other. You can't skip to the stage without going through the previous stages first. Um, here's another little thing to keep in mind is a lot of times when I'm saying stages and even I'm going like this, it's not a linear process. One, then two, then three, then four, and then six. I arrive, right? It's, it's a cycle. It's a cycle is that we never stop learning. We never stop growing closer in our relationship with Christ. And even when we get to the final stage, God is going to break us and reveal things in us. And we're going to go right back to the first stage and we're going to go through that cycle again. And the whole time we're getting deeper and deeper and deeper and closer and closer and closer in our relationship with God, the one who we put our faith in. Uh, there are The stages aren't inherently good or bad in themselves. They're just stages, just like the kids who just went down aren't in a better or worse stage than me. And I'm not in a better or worse stage than, than, than you guys. Right. Um, you know, people who have kids that are my age, you know, ish. So just kidding. Not quite my, not quite as old as me, but, um, so we can't, we can't say, Oh, this is the best stage. This is the right stage. It's what stage are you in? We need to have grace and understanding in, in all of that. Um, another couple things. One, it's, it's, it's just easy to be stuck in a stage. What we're going to find out is that a lot of us are stalled out in a stage. We are caged in a stage. There's benefits to every stage and there's dangers of every stage. But a lot of times we, we get stuck because either one, we just get comfortable where we're at. And I've heard this numerous times. I don't know. Life is good. I don't, I don't think I really even need God because life is good. Um, or we just get really discouraged. Why can't I be more like this? Why can't I have that? Or another one is, I'm afraid. What, what is, I'm afraid of what God's going to do in my life. Like, what's he going to reveal? I, I want to kind of keep things comfortable, and I'm afraid to step out of my comfort zone. But here's something we need to keep in mind. If we're not growing, we're dying. Think about it through the lens of water. A stagnant body of water is a dead body of water. I know that sounds harsh, but it's true. If we are not growing in our relationship with Christ, our souls are, 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 are weakening, they're, they're shrinking, they're, they're dying. It's just the truth, right? There's a lot of times where I don't feel like I'm really growing, but I think I'm doing okay. I have been there. I have said that to myself and to others. No, I'm actually doing pretty good. I mean, I'm not doing good, great, but I'm not doing terrible. And all of a sudden, after a few weeks, after a few months or a few years, it's kind of like, what the is going on? Why is my life such a mess all of a sudden? And it hasn't all of a sudden just gone like that. It's just finally we get to where it's kind of like, wait a minute, the ice finally broke. We realized what was going on underneath the whole time. And so we have to just realize that what, what was in the words of uh, um, Feed the Dog series that we did a, a long time ago, what we feed grows, what we starve dies. And then we wonder why our relationship with God is so anemic. It's because what have we fed it lately? 
God is like, I'm here. I'm waiting for you. I'm like the prodigal father who's waiting for his prodigal son. I've been here the whole time waiting for you. And you're like, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. Oh, daddy, daddy, daddy. You know, it's like, we need to run back to him. And he's waiting there for us with open arms and open heart. We can understand intellectually the stages, but what we find is that we don't really grasp them until we've gone through them. And so as we look at our journey and we understand the journey of each other's, we need to approach it with humility and curiosity. So how do we grow from stage to stage? Sorry, there's a little bit more introduction this morning. It's a little bit goofy because we have an introduction and we'll close out with the stage one, but it's a pretty simple one. So it's, uh, yeah. We grow from stage to stage. Sometimes it's exciting. Sometimes it's because good things happen, right? And it's kind of like, wow, God just showed me this and I just learned this. But guys, I hate to break it to you. A lot of times we go from stage to stage because of crisis, because of struggles, because things have gotten hard and we don't know how to continue on. And finally, God says, Run, run to me. I got you. These become opportunities for growth and movement. These become things that push us deeper, push us to ask the questions that we haven't ever felt the freedom to ask before, to reevaluate. Several years ago, um, some of you know my story. I was following what I thought God was wanting me to do, and I still think he wanted us to do it. But we went through a really hard season in life and in ministry, and, and we'll talk about this later on. It's called the wall. And it's usually when people say, I'm out, this isn't real. But that is when God really drives us deeper. And I remember just thinking, God, if you're really there, why is this happening? But it was awesome because I stepped away from working in ministry. I was no longer a pastor. I was a farmhand. I drove tractors and semis and dug ditches for a living for four gloriously wonderful, beautiful years. And nobody could call me pastor. And so because I wasn't paid by a church, I could ask questions about the church. And I could, I could, what about this? What about that? What about this? Because up to that point, I had always been paid by a church. And I couldn't criticize too much where I felt like I couldn't, Right. And so that was a beautiful time of digging deeper, of asking the hard questions, of reevaluating what is this really about? What does Jesus really want here? There's a great quote from the, from the book. Um, it says, a crisis can knock us off balance, making us afraid and vulnerable, but also ripe for change. When we are most vulnerable, we have the best chance to learn and move. In the midst of pain, there is promise. That is a key truth to hold on to as we look in our journeys, because it can either push us towards God or away from God. I mean, think about Joseph in the Old Testament, right? He's, he's the little brother and he's daddy's favorite and everything like that. What do the brothers do? They lure him out. They beat the crap out of him. They throw him on a well. They sell him into slavery. He goes into prison. He gets accused of this, even though he didn't do it. He gets thrown into prison again and he gets forgotten, rotting to die. And then all of a sudden someday he, oh my gosh, hey, you, hey you're second to Pharaoh. You're running the whole nation of Egypt. And then the brothers come and they don't recognize him. And, and he's kind of like, oh my gosh, these are my brothers. What am I going to do? And what does he say? 
When they find out who he is, they're kind of like, He's, you're going to kill us. We tried to kill you and you're going to kill us back. And what does he say? What you meant for harm, God meant for good. Now, it'd be one thing of, guys, you kind of teased me today pretty bad out in the pasture in front of the sheep. I mean, those are my sheep. That's kind of embarrassing, you know, but I know God's going to use this, right? No, we're talking slavery, imprisonment, false accusation, being forgotten, being hopeless for years. And he never lost sight of his faith in the one who designed and created us. That's what we're talking about. What you meant for harm, what life happens, guys. Life is going to be hard, but God can use it for good. I mean, that's what's done to us. Let's look at King David. King David was a butthead. Can I say that? I just did. I actually filtered. You should hear what was uh, what I said in my head, you know. Um, <laughs> sorry, filtering. Um, the dude can't control his sex drive. She's a hottie. I'm going to have her because I'm king. Everybody is out. Everybody else is out in battle. I'm the king. I'm going to take her. He goes down. He sleeps with her. He gets her pregnant. He says, how am I going to cover this up? Oh my gosh, that's Uriah's wife. He's the head of my military. Hey, Uriah, come and have fun with your wife while you're in town. Nope, nope, nope. I'm not going to because I have a, I'm a man of integrity. I'm not going to have, have, have fun with my wife while all of my soldiers are out risking their lives for you, my king. And so he doesn't. And so then David, it's ingenious plans. I'm going to send him right into the 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 front of the battle where I know he's going to get killed and he gets killed. He killed the dude to cover up his indiscretion. Imagine what the news media would say about something like that today. What we're used to is people saying, nope, didn't happen. I do not recall. I don't remember. I have no recollection of this thing. I know that kid looks just like me, but it's not mine. No, he writes a prayer journal that says, God, why am I such an idiot? Why did I do this? I am worthless. I am terrible. I am unfaithful. Please, if you have any heart, oh God, forgive me. And he writes all these Psalms and then he publishes them for the people. He didn't hide it. He went public with it. He said, I'm a mess. And if you can benefit from the forgiveness that I've received from God, I know you're probably a mess too. So here's a blueprint for when you screw up too. Guys, that is the radical grace of God at work. Here's a guy that should have been tanked. And he has such an intimate relationship with God that he just goes public with it. He goes, I'm not going to hide this. I'm not going to cover this up. Guys, I messed up. I screwed up. And, and I want you to learn from my mistakes. What I meant for harm, God can use for good. Here's the last two things about the stages, and then we'll, we'll close out with the first stage. Growth is both an individual personal process, but it's also meant to be done in the context of relationship and community. 
God is going to rip up the soil in our lives. He is. That's a very deep, intimate, personal thing. In our personal prayer closet, in our personal time with him, he's going, his spirit is going to speak into our hearts and our minds, and we're not going to like what he has to say, but we need to listen to that. But it's also not meant to be done in isolation. We need each other. I was laughing with people that, that at the Good Friday service, I mean, we had a ton of greenhouse people there and it was awesome. And, and Nicole and I were talking afterwards, so like, it was so fun to see the greenhouse people, like, like we're a family together. And, and I, 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 I don't take lightly the responsibility that we have for each other, is that we're journeying together that we can share the hard stuff together, the questions, the failures, the, the concerns, the things. We are in this together. And as God reveals these things, he doesn't want us to just do it on our own. He wants us to do that together as a family. Because sometimes when someone says, I don't know if you've ever experienced this before, but this is what I'm wrestling with. And then everybody else, oh, I do too. I've never felt like I could say that, right? Confession is a beautiful thing. And then last, it's, it's not us that forces ourselves through these stages. We can't just grit our way through it and I'm going to go this and I'm going to do that. It's surrender. God is going to take us through at the pace that he wants to take us through it. That's hard, but that's part of faith. Faith is surrender. I'm not going to grit my way through it. I'm just going to surrender. And God, however long you want me in this stage, I got time because you control time. You know what you want to do. I trust you. All right. So with a few minutes we have left here, stage one, this is super complex, okay? We're going to blow your mind. <laughs> a recognition of God. Awareness of God. How often do we go through life as if there is no God? See, I grew up, Small town kid, conservative family, conservative community, awesome church, great friends. But when it really came down to it, I lived my life as if there was no God. Yeah, I went to church. Yeah, I prayed a prayer. Yeah, I did this. Yeah, I did that. But when it came to living out my life, it, I was God. I was God. Everything was what I wanted. And so the first step is simply saying, there is something bigger than me. And that bigger than me thing is God. We accept the reality of God as fact in our world and in our lives. Now we, go, we do that in two different ways, right? The easy way or the hard way? <laughs> the easy way, well, maybe it's easy, is, is we become aware of God through a sense of awe. I mean, we're talking like I'm out on a hike and all of a sudden, this didn't just happen on its own, like, or the birth of our child, like, how could this have just come from nothing, right? It's this radical eye-opening of being impressed that, that there is something so much bigger, so much more wonderful, so much more amazing than what we could have ever imagined. A lot of times this comes from miraculous events like birth or healing or nature or success or, or, or forgiveness, or when we're in a time of danger, or, or whatever, like God, God just provides for us. There's, there's all these different uh, experiences that are kind of like, God, you are so good. Pro, uh, Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7, 
is really the heart of this. It says, fear or awe of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Like basically, life starts when we accept that there is a God. Before that, we're just have blinders on. I love that verse. God reveals himself to Abraham and Sarah says, you're my chosen people. Who are you? <laughs> and they're laughing. They're kind of like, what? The creator of all things is wanting to do something through us. Moses, when he comes up to the burning bush, he's like, oh my gosh, what is going on here? When he goes up to the mountain and God is like, you know, there's thunder and lightning and wind and hail and all this kind of stuff like that. He is struck with a sense of awe and fear and wonder. Isaiah, the one, I mean, he, he basically says, woe is me. <laughs> I am nothing compared to you, O God. The Bible is full of people encountering the miraculous presence of God. So sense of awe, but the hard way, the not so much fun way is coming through a sense of need. Is we get to a point in our life where we say, I can't go any further. I can't breathe. I can't walk. I can't wake up. I can't get out of bed. I can't leave the house. I can't do this. I need you, God. If there is a God out there, please bring love, care, compassion, comfort, right? We experience this through sickness, or, or maybe it's a sin that we've been involved with, or divorce, or loss, or abuse, or abandonment, or depression, or guilt, or bankruptcy, mental issues, emotional issues, right? I mean, there, there, it's all the hard stuff that happens in life. A lot of times it either pushes us away from God or, or drives us towards him. Jesus is constantly being bombarded by the sick, by the ill, by the lame, by the demon-possessed, by the dying, by the dead, <laughs> saying, we need you, Jesus. We need your help. And it's in that moment that they finally decided to seek Jesus. So think about it. If you, have, if you, if you say, I'm a Christian, I'm a follower of Jesus, when and why did you decide to give your life to Jesus? What was it that drove you or called you to him? Or if you haven't yet, maybe ask yourself the question, why not? Why, why am I not seeing the evidence of God either through awe or need yet? A lot of times we, we say I'm a believer and, oh yeah, God's really good. That was really cool. That was a great concert. That was a great message. That was a great this. That was a great that. And hey, that's really cool. But then when we don't feed that relationship, I'm not that impressed anymore. The, 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 the shininess, the glitteriness has kind of wore off a little bit. And it's not quite as fun or as, as emotional as it used to be, right? We can't feel him anymore. Or maybe um, we're like, yeah, okay, God, I have all this stuff going on. So I'm, 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 gonna, I'm gonna join in. I'm gonna, I'm gonna sign up with you. But then after a while, when that sickness isn't cured, that relationship isn't restored, the, the bank balance doesn't miraculously bounce back up, right? Our, our, the thorns in our flesh aren't removed. We're kind of like, well, maybe there isn't a God. Maybe he's not what, what they promised he would be to me. And so then we were like, screw it, I'm out. We need to dig deeper in this. We need to realize that whether it be through awe and wonder 
and fear or need and desperation, God delights in you. Even when nothing makes sense, especially when nothing makes sense, we need to hold on to the reality that God delights in you. To enter that stage, there's a couple of, let's, let's say through awe, right? Get out into nature. Do something that involves creativity. Enjoy some arts, whether it be looking at it or creating it or whatever, however you're geared. Maybe you're a contemplative person. Maybe you like creating something. Maybe it's just reading the Bible. Maybe it's listening to really, really good worship music. But just focus on the grace of God in that awe, in that wonder. If you're in a position, if you're in a season of need, maybe make a list of the needs that you have in your life right now, and then just simply take them to God and just surrender them to say, hey, God, if you're really there, I'm going to surrender these to you, and I'm going I'm to rely on you. Dig into the scripture and, and look at what it says about God meeting us in our times of surrender. Again, surrender to that grace. When we're in that first stage, right? Let's say if we have this awareness of God and we either are like, God, you're so good or God, I need you so bad. Um, there's a couple things. One, plug into community because we're not meant to go it alone. Uh, find people that you can share with, relate with, learn from, find account accountability uh, together with. Uh, look for the deeper meaning in the things that we're experiencing, right? Um, we can, uh, how can the awe or the needs in our lives be signs pointing us deeper towards God. Uh, look for solid teaching, right? Like if we're just all, hey, health, wealth, prosperity, like God wants you to be rich, famous, and, and happy with all the toys that the world has to offer, if that's the only teaching that we're getting, well, what happens when it, that doesn't happen, right? Like find good, solid teaching that speaks truth into our lives, into our hearts, into our minds, and last but not least, let's ask God what he has to say about our sense of awe or our sense of need. Get to know his heart. We talked a little bit about being stuck or being caged in, in a, a stage of faith. And this first one is so important to get there, right? Because if, how can we know God if we don't realize that he's there? But if we just stay in this first stage, um, it's easy to turn to the created instead of relying on the creator, right? We turn God into this magician or this bail bondsman. <clears throat> and then we kind of like, eh, I grow old of this, right? Um, if we're motivated by awe, um, if we don't get to know him and we just kind of get familiar with, eh, whatever, loses its glitter and it's kind of like, eh, I'm, I'm on to the next thing. We, we become apathetic, um, or if we're motivated by need, like I said before, if that pain, suffering, struggles, if it persists, uh, and we're not getting to know God um, and experiencing uh, further growth and deliverance and transformation in that, we can start to question God's goodness. So it is very, very important to, as we, okay, God, you're there, great, now let's go. Let's not be stuck in stage one. So this week, I want us to, to really take that to heart. Do kind of an examination of ourselves. Are we motivated by a sense of awe? Are we like struck by the goodness of God? Or are we in a time of need? Guys, either one are those, those transition points. It can be painful. It can be wonderful. But what in our life is driving us towards God? Are we allowing them to drive us towards God? Or are we allowing them to push us away from God? So this week, let's do some inventory of our needs. Let's look at what's going on. Where are we going 
uh, for them? How are we handling them? Are we using them as excuses um, to push us away from, or are we using these opportunities to, to drive us towards God, to, to lead us towards him? And, and, and again, I just want to, as we go down this journey, you're not alone. Um, I'm praying that God reveals things in us and to us. Uh, this week, I was just reminded just, just a lot of different situations. It's been interesting. We, we say we exist to grow disciples who love God, love people, serve the world. And why do we call it the greenhouse? Because we're growing disciples. Part of the growing process in a greenhouse is breaking the soil. Is we prepare the soil of our hearts, of our lives, for God's seeds to be planted in us. And then once that, once that plant grows, there's weeds that need to be pulled out, right? Like it's not always an easy process, but we're in this together. One last thing is I'm going to be sending out a, a devotional um, that talks about awe and wonder of God. If you want to do it, we're, we're going to do it like we did leading up to Easter uh, to where it's, I think it's like a seven day study um, and it's just on the Bible app. What I'll do is I'll just send it out on the, on the text. If you have not been getting the text from me and you want to make sure that you talk with me afterwards and say, Hey, I want to, I want to get a text it's usually about once a week or so talking about what's going on. Um, but I'm going to send the link, the invitation. Um, I hope it's a good one. It's a little more charismatic than what my experience is, but that's part of the awe and wonder of God, right? Like let's dig into it. And then the cool thing is it'll have uh, an opportunity for us to process uh, every day. So um, let's pray and uh, we'll close out with some worship here. God, we thank you so much for your love. We thank you for the fact that you have designed us for and called us to a journey with you. God, life is not meant to be boring, but rather it's, it's meant to be an adventure. God, forgive us for how we've, a lot of us have just lived our lives um, as if this is all there is and we are all that there is. God, I pray that you would just uh, be working in our hearts. For some of us, maybe we, we've, we've known of you and we've known you for years, but maybe we've grown too familiar. Maybe we've grown too apathetic to where we've lost that sense of awe and wonder of just who it is that we call our Lord. God, I pray that this week you can just remind us of how amazing you are through music, through your word, through your creation, through conversation. God, just grasp our hearts Get us back to ground zero where it all starts is an awareness of you. God, if we are overcome with need, if, if we're just grasping for hope, God, I pray that we can find it in you. God, that the things that are going on in our lives, that it would drive us towards you, a loving father. God, if, if, if any of us here this morning haven't experienced that yet, God, I pray that they wouldn't run away from you but rather, God, they would, they would lean into that. They would pursue that. So, God, we love you, and we thank you so much for loving us first. And we praise you in your name. Amen.